Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Said in Ruth chapter number one, verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled uh, that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn uh, in the country of Moab, he and his wife uh, and his two sons. Now think about let me pray because I'm going to make some comments as I read down through this. Father, help us tonight. You know the desire of our heart and that God is to be pleasing to you. Father, you know the need of this service, God. You knew before the foundations of the world was ever laid uh, who would be sitting here tonight at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. You knew what I would be preaching. Uh, and God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight to rightly divide the word of truth, Father. I pray, Lord, that every word that's uttered out of my mouth tonight would bring glory and honor to your name. Help me to say nothing, God, that you wouldn't want me to say, and only the words, God, that you'd have me to say. And God will give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, know what he said in verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. That brings us in to what's happening in the book of Ruth. It is a time of the judges, which goes back to the book of Judges. It's a very hard time in, in uh, 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 the land of God's people in Bethlehem, Judea. Matter of fact, we're fixing to see that there's a famine in the land. Uh, but it goes on to say in verse number 2, uh, And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, uh, and the name of his two sons was Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephraim Knights of Bethlehem. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died, also both of them. And the women was left of their two sons and her Husband. Now, uh, Moab, whenever we begin to look at Moab and um, uh, we begin to study Moab, one has said that it's God's wash pot. Um, and we could look at different definitions of it, but very simply put tonight, Moab is a type of the world, is what it is tonight. It's a type of what the world has to offer. Uh, and what happens when a child of God leaves fellowship with God uh, and goes into the world? Now, I've said this before, but let me say it to you again tonight. We're either serving God or we're not. I don't believe there's no straddling the fence on this thing. We're either in fellowship with God or we're not. We're either living for God or we're not. We're either wholeheartedly following after God or we're not. It's just that simple. Matter of fact, backsliding really is typified more in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament because in the New Testament there's something different. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. Moab is a type of this world. Now, Bethlehem, Judea, whenever you study it out, the definition of Bethlehem is house of bread, and Judea is praise. It's the house of bread 
and praise. And they decide uh, um, uh, to leave. Elimelech decides that it's a good thing to leave the house of praise and the house of bread uh, and go into the world. Now, note what the Bible said uh, in verse number 1. I want you to note the progression. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled uh, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went, watch this, to sojourn in the country of Moab. Now, look at the ending of verse number 2. Continued there. Now, look at the ending of verse number 4. Dwelt there about 10 years dwelt there about 10 years. In other words, sojourn, he was just going to pass by and he was coming right back. I began to think about that and I began to think about so many in churches today. Now it's Wednesday night, so I need you to give me an amen because you're at church tonight. When I think about so many that was once faithful to the house of God, uh, they was walking in fellowship with God, they was living for God, uh, then all of a sudden they miss one service. And then it's not long, they miss another service. And then it's not long, they miss Sunday school. And then it's not long, they miss a Sunday morning service. And you see, it all started with, they was just going to sojourn. They was just, well, I'll just miss this one service, or I'll just miss this one activity, or I'll just miss this one thing. And what ends up happening, it goes from sojourning to continued to being out of church 10 years and really not knowing why they even got out of church. i tell you the reason they got out of church is because they left the house of bread and praise. That's the reason why. I thought about Elimelech. Whenever you study Elimelech out and you look at his name, here's what his name means. My God is king. My God is king. And I thought about this. I thought, man, how can a man that his name means my God is king? He's living in Bethlehem, Judea. How in the world can he leave that place of bread and that place of praise and go to a place like Moab and end up continuing there and dying there and his sons die there. You say, well, preacher, there was in a famine whenever you study the Word of God out. Yes, I understand that, but I want you to note something with me. Look in verse 21 of this chapter. Now Naomi has come back to Bethlehem she tells them, and I don't have time to preach all this, but she tells them, don't even call me Naomi. Call me Mara or Myra because uh, the Lord hath dealt with me bitterly. But look in verse number 21. She says, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home empty. Even though there was a famine, I find it so interesting that Naomi, when she comes back to Bethlehem, Judea, makes this statement, I went out full. Well, if you was full, why did you leave to begin with? Why did you leave to begin with? Now, some disagree with me right here, and that's okay. I'm not going to argue the fact with me, but I don't think Naomi's going to stand before God for leaving Bethlehem, Judea. Naomi simply followed her husband. 
Elimelech's the one that's going to stand before God for missing God, for taking his family out of God's will, and him dying out of God's will, and his boys marrying out of God's will, and his boys dying out of God's will. Elimelech is going to be the one that stands before God for that. Naomi's going to stand before God for her decision. As soon as her sons died, you know what she said? I'm going back home, man. She took off back to where she knew God was at and where God was blessing. But I find it so interesting. She said, I went out full, came home empty. You know what? So many times we think the church is dying when the church really isn't. So many times we say we're not getting fed anymore when it's really not the singer's fault and it's really not the preacher's fault. Hello, Tokyo. But it's because we've decided that evidently it's a famine and we're just going to walk away. I thought of, and I, I honestly, God knows my heart. But there has been some that has said, Brother Robert, in times past when they left, well, it'll just dry up over at Amazing Grace. Hear me and hear me well. He said this, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If I leave tonight, you know what's going to happen? The church is going to go on. The church is going to go on. There's some still living in Moab when there's still a place of bread and a place of praise that they can run back to right here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. She went out full, came home empty. Maybe, just maybe, Elimelech had become focused on the temporary trial instead of the eternal God. Can I say that again? Just maybe he has become focused on a temporary trial instead of an eternal God. In other words, his perspective of it all was wrong. His view of it all was wrong. In other words, he was seeing it from an earthly level when God was seeing it from a heavenly level and God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts and sometimes we need to realize God may be working in the back scene and us not see it and we just need to remain faithful at Bethlehem, Judea. I want to look at Moab for just a minute tonight. And when we decide to separate ourselves in a wrong way, when we decide to separate ourselves from God's people and from God's word and God's place that He has for us, and we go to Moab, there's consequences to that. I've said this for years here, but I'll say it again. With every choice, there comes a consequence. With every choice, there comes a consequence. Uh, every choice that we, and we make choices every day in our life. But what we must understand is there's consequences going to follow that. And us as men, that's the leaders of our home, when we choose wrongly, it's not only us that's going to suffer the consequences, our children and our wife may also suffer the consequence. If there's ever been a time, women, now's your time to say amen. If there's ever been a time that we need men to be godly leaders in our home, it's in the day and age that we live in. I, I was asked one time why women do so much in churches today, and here was my response, because you can't get men to do it. Boy, it got real quiet right there. You have a visitation and you see how many women show up and how many men show up. 
You have a work day and see how many women show up when you say it's men and women both and how many men show up. You see, our agenda, well, women, y'all ought to be shouting right now. Get your little white hankies out and wave them, okay? Our agenda, well, we're too busy doing this and we're, hey, look up in here, Hoss. When we're too busy for God and we're too busy for the things of God and we're too busy to be faithful to God, we've got a problem. We're headed to Moab. We're headed to Moab and it may be more than us that suffers the consequences of it. It's not our wife's place to be the spiritual leader in our home. It's not our wife's amen. It's not our wife's place to lead in prayer at the meal. It's not our wife's place to say, "Well, wait a minute before we eat, we we need to pray over this." No, it's our place. It's our place as the godly leaders of our. That's good preaching if I'm doing it tonight. And when we choose to not do that, then we're headed to Moab. Moab was a devastating land. Let's look at it for just a minute tonight. And you know what? Look, sojourn, continued, dwelt there ten years, and three of them's dead. Oh, but preacher, you know, I'm I'm going to get faithful one day. I know it's Wednesday night, and I've I've struggled preaching this tonight more than I've struggled preaching anything in a long time. Because I said, Lord, why do you want me to preach this on Wednesday night? I need to preach this Sunday morning. He said, no, you need to preach it tonight. I said, okay. I just, Brother Josh, I just got tired of arguing with him. He's going, it's kind of like arguing with your wife. Just stop, let him win. Are you with me? Preacher, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Hear me. Sojourn? Continued, ten years later, they're still there and three of them's dead. Why? Because the decision was made to walk away from the house of bread and praise. Well, preacher, it's just this or it's just that. There's nothing no more important than the house of God. Just bar none. There's nothing, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. It's Wednesday night, you ought to say amen, you're sitting here. There's nothing no more important than that. Watch this, number one, Moab, this devastating land. Number one, it's a place of discipline. It's a place of discipline. Living in sin is never without consequences. The name of Elimelech's son bear witness to that. Malon means sick and Chilion means puny or wasting away. Keep in mind that the children were born before they left for Moab. Before they ever go to Moab, Malon and Chilion is born, which means sick or puny and wasting away. Before they ever go there, maybe God, hear me right here, maybe God was saying, wait a minute, if you go to Moab, there's going to be some consequences. It's a place of discipline. When we walk away from God, it is a place of discipline. I want to read you something. Let me flip right here in Hebrews real quick. Read you a verse right here in Hebrews. I, I don't have this marked. Hebrews chapter number 12. Give me just a second. Here's what he said in Hebrews chapter number 12. For whom the Lord loveth, verse number 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth 
every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastising, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, here's what the Bible said, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we not or and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? You know what he's saying? He's saying this, that if we walk away from Bethlehem, Judea, and we go to Moab, there will be discipline that follows us at Moab. God will correct us. God will correct us. If God doesn't correct us, then we're a bastard and not a son according to the Bible. Again, I believe that God is giving them warning before they ever go to Moab. Their two sons, Malon and Chilion, the names mean something in the Bible. I thought about this. I know God gives warnings before whoopings. Can I say it that way? My mama would say this, stop. And then she didn't count to 14. I, Jim, some mamas and daddy goes, I'm going to count to three. And it, they might as well count to 21 because they've done it seven times. Y'all with me right there? My mama didn't do that. Stop. And if you didn't, the next thing was a whooping. Not no spanking, not time out, not no whipping. It was a whooping. Are you with me? That's the way it was. Now, God, I believe in all of my heart, and I'm going to show it to you right here out of the Bible, says, woe, before he stops whooping. Before God, for correction sets in, before discipline sets in. You remember David, don't you? Remember David sinned with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel? And you remember that Nathan come to David and confronted David over that? David ended up losing his son. And matter of fact, the Bible said the sword never departed from David's house. Watch this. As soon as he saw Bathsheba, the servant said to him, Is this not the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Woe, David, is this not the wife of Uriah the Hittite? God used the servant to warn David on what he was doing before he ever done it. God said, whoa, wait a minute. Let's, let's, let's look somewhere else in the Bible. Let's go to the book of Judges. Let's look at a man by the name of Samson in the book of Judges. He was going away from God. He was going away from the presence of God. He was going to marry out of the will of God. And it does matter who you marry. He was going to marry out of the will of God and he got to a vineyard that he wasn't even supposed to be nowhere around because of his Nazarite separation. You know what God done? God sent a line, by, uh, bear, a line by to warn him about what he was doing. You know what God done? Then God gave him the power to overcome the line and to kill it. God was saying, whoa, wait a minute. Don't do that. Let's take it to the New Testament. You remember a guy by the name of Peter in the New Testament? And Peter says this, Lord, I'm willing to go with you all the way to death, John chapter number 13. 
And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, don't follow me to Calvary. It's what he told Peter. You go study it. Peter says, no, I'm willing to go with you to the death. And Jesus said, no, if you follow me before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. You know what he ended up doing? He went against Jesus and followed him anyway. Jesus told him he was not ready for that. In other words, there were some things that Peter couldn't handle, and he didn't have no business going that way. But he did anyway. He did anyway. And he ended up denying the Lord and even cursing God. He didn't have to do that. If he'd only listened to Jesus and not would have followed him in that direction, Peter wouldn't be in the mess that he was in. Amen. He'd have never been in the mess that he was in. So he said, Preacher, what he's saying? Moab's a place of discipline. When you walk away from God, there's going to be discipline there. There's going to be discipline there. I, I, I thought about this, and you've heard me say this before. Percy Ray was known for saying this. God won't stop you, but you won't stop God. God didn't stop Elimelech from leading his family out of God's will. He allowed that to happen. He allowed Elimelech to do what he wanted to do. But you know what? When death started happening in Moab, they didn't stop God. And you may walk away from the presence of God. You may be hit and miss in this thing with God. You may be serving Him one day and then living like the world the next day. But I promise you, God will warn you. And then when His discipline starts, He's not going to stop till He gets done. He's, God won't stop you, but you won't stop God. I've said this before too. You may get what you want, but you may lose what you have. You may get what you want. Eve got what she wanted, did she not? Boy, she lost what she had. Samson got what he wanted, didn't he? Boy, he lost what he had. He said, Preacher, what are you saying? Moab is a place of dis. And Preacher, why are you preaching this on Wednesday night? I don't know, but I want you to know I believe God wants to talk to somebody. It's a place of discipline. Whom the Lord, you say, Preacher, I can do anything I want to do. I can act any way I want to act, and nothing ever happens to me. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. Amen. Number one, it's a place of discipline. Number two, it's a place of disobedience. Moab is a place of disobedience. In verse number four, the Bible says, And they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. It is apparent in various passages that God was displeased with his people marrying among the heathen nation. He warned against it and commanded that they refrain from such practices. However, Malon and Chilion took wives of Moab. Their brief stay turned into a 10-year period of disobedience. The decision by a father, listen to this, led to the two sons being out of God's will also. It's a place of disobedience. It's a place of disobedience. There's a lot of young men that don't want to be faithful to church today because daddy's never faithful to church. Mama goes, but daddy's just hit and miss. 
It's a place of disobedience. I wrote this down. If you dwell among the world apart from God long enough, eventually you will embrace the ideals of the world. You will come to the place that you no longer remember the land of your heritage and begin to embrace the ways of the world. Dwelling apart from God real, will result in disobedience. You've heard me say it many times. You are right now, or soon will be what your friends are. It does matter who you run around with. It does matter who you quote unquote hang out with. I, I, I'm going to try. I know I'm not going to be able to go the first week. I already know that. But I'm going to try my best sometime between uh, the first week of bear season and the first week of January to go back to the mountains and bear hunt some this year. I haven't been in years, years and years. I'm going to try my best for Josh to get up there, even if it's just a day or two, just to ride around with Coy and, 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 and shoot the bull and eat bologna and cheese sandwiches. Anytime I go up there and I come back, my wife always says, I can tell you've been in Robbinsville. And I say, well, why do you say that? She says, by the way that you talk, it's Yun's. Brother Matthew, I was just up there not long ago. Yuns. Matter of fact, when Brother Chad got out of the van and, and, and Brother Jeff and him the other day, Brother Jeff walked up to me and he said, Yuns doing all right? It's that mountain lingo. It's a doke. It's what they call their drink. Their hat's a derby. Their vehicle's a rig. And before you know it, you come back and you're like, man, give me one of them dokes. I'm going to get my rig and go down the road. Yun's going to go with me. <laughs> Leslie will say this, I can tell you've been in Robbinsville a few days. Why? Because what we are around, we become. You can say whatever you want to, what you are around, you become. I, I guarantee you, there's some that language is different when you're not around church people. Why? Because you become what you're around. You, that's the reason it's so... I understand, listen to me, I completely understand that you've got to work a job, that you've got to be around. But you know what? You, you don't have to take lunch with them. You don't have to go to supper with them. I, I, I'm just, there's some places that I, I'm just not going to see it when I go in a restaurant. I, I went in a restaurant the other night. Me and Leslie was supposed to went off for our anniversary back when the Lord decided to put me in the hospital. So the, the people that we was working with to do it, they was gracious enough to let us change the dates. And the first of this week, we went off for a few days for our anniversary. And I went into a place the other night, and uh, there's open seats everywhere. The lady said, you'll have to sit right here at the bar. And I said, no, ma'am, I won't. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not going to sit there. I said, there's plenty of seats over here. I'd like to sit over here, ma'am. She said, no, we don't have nobody to cover over there. You'll have to sit right here. And I said, well, it'll be a good place to open up a restaurant. And that's when I seen the back of Leslie's shirt, and we turned around and walked out. Let me tell you the reason why. I'm just not going to associate with some things. 
Because when we do, it leads to disobedience. You say, preacher, what was you afraid of? You was going to go over and drink a cold beer? No, I'm not going to do that. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. I'm not worried about drinking a cold beer. And number one, because I've never struggled with it. And number two, because God's greater inside of me than he that it's in this world. Woe unto the man that puts strong drink to his neighbor's lip. Well, God put a woe, you shouldn't put a go. Amen. Our, if you wouldn't drink it at a church gathering, you ain't got no business drinking it any other time. Well, that's good preaching if I'm doing it tonight. Disobedience, I'm telling you, man, when we leave the place of praise and the place of bread, it's a, it's a disobedience to God, and that's what it results in in our life. Disobedience, disobedience. I said I wasn't going to preach long. Let me give you these other two, and I'll be done. Moab's a place of discipline. Moab's a place of disobedience. But can I say this to you tonight? Moab's a place of death. Moab's a place of death. What did he say in verse number 3? Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. What did he say in verse number 5? Malon and Chilion died. Also both of them. See, sin will always cost you something. The Bible says this, Therefore, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin. When it is finished, bringeth forth death. I understand the primary interpretation of that verse. However, I do believe that there is a practical application that can be made out of it. David, because of his sin, his son died. Because of his sin, Amnon ends up getting killed by Absalom. Tamar might as well lost her life because Amnon took her virtue from her and raped her. Death was the product of sin. And when you sin in your life and you continue down the wrong road, I promise you there's going to be consequences to that. Death came in their life. I'm, I'm very confident of what I'm fixing to say. There has been many that went to a premature grave because they got out of God's will and didn't listen to the correcting hand of God and, and God brought death in their life. I believe that with all my heart. I'll give you some scripture on it in just a minute, but I believe that in all of my heart. My wife and I was talking about it this week. We was talking about an individual this week, got out of God's will. I, I mean, got way out of God's will caused havoc in a home. I, it, 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 was, it, it was awful. Today, that individual is in the grave. You know what? I believe in all my heart, I believe that individual was saved. You couldn't shake them on their testimony. And I'm going to tell you something. Death is a result of disobedience to God. Number four, it's a place of desolation. Desolation. Uh, look what the Bible said. Verse number five. Malon and Chilion died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Now here's, here's Naomi sitting in a foreign land 
sitting in the world, sitting in Moab, all because of a decision her husband made. Now her husband's dead. Both of her boys are dead. Yes, she's got Orpah and Naomi, I mean Orpah and Ruth, and we know Orpah stays back, Ruth goes with her, and that's a whole other message within herself. She's at a place of desolation. Why? Watch this, because of a decision her husband made. Because of a decision her husband made. She just followed her husband. She just listened to her husband. Men, may we not make a decision that's going to leave our wife a widow. He made the decision. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again probably tonight. We are to be the spiritual leaders of our home. It's not, hey, my wife shouldn't be more spiritual than I am. She probably is, but she shouldn't be. It's not because I don't try to be spiritual not because I don't try to lead our home spiritually. It's not because I don't pray with her. It's not because that, that, that I don't read my Bible. Our wife should not be the spiritual leader of our home. Our wife should not be the most spiritual person in our home. It's our place as husbands to do that. Here's one reason that many is not. It's one simple word. Selfishness. We're selfish. We're selfish with our time. <laughs> Women, y'all need to say amen. Help me. Brother Brian, we're selfish with our hobbies. When we got time for God, and it don't interrupt our other plans, then we'll do it. And so many times it's the wife, I've got time for God, and I don't care if it interrupts my other plans. It's a place of desolation. She's left all alone, try to fend for herself. She goes back home. She heard that there was bread in Bethlehem. She went back. How'd she hear that? You ever thought about that? How'd she hear? I believe somebody come told her. They still bread over there. We need to go tell them they still bread around here. They still praise around here. 1 Corinthians 5. Miss Tina, you here come start playing softly. First Corinthians chapter number five. I'm not going to take time to read the whole chapter. I want to pull one verse out. The Bible says this to deliver in verse number five of First Corinthians five. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Say, so, preacher, you said you think people goes to a premature grave. But there's the Bible to back it up. Comes a time where God will turn the flesh over to Satan. For the destruction of the flesh, not the spirit. Not the spirit. I've read and read and read on this day, which I preached this verse before. I talked to several Bible scholars today that knows more, forgot more about the Bible than I'll ever know. And I said, correct me now if I'm wrong. I said, no, that's exactly what that is. There comes a time that God says, I'm done dealing with you. My patience has run out with you. I've tried to be lenient with you. I've tried to warn you. 
I've tried to tell you to go a different way. I've tried to get you back in my wheel. But since you don't want to listen to me, fine. I'll turn your flesh over to Satan to destroy you. And you'll go to a grave. God's not going to let you ruin his name. God's not, there comes a time when God says, I'm done. God says, that's it. It's over. It's right there. It's right there. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. It's Wednesday night. We're all sitting in church, and the preachers preached a Sunday morning message on Wednesday night. Because somebody needs to hear it. I don't know who. I mean what I'm saying. I've argued more with God about preaching this tonight than I have anything probably in 10 years. I'm just being as real as I can be with you. I thought, Lord, we can go back to the reasons for separation. I had it all outlined out. and 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 and, and. It comes down to this right here. Elimelech, Elimelech was faced with a decision in his life. And he chose wrong. I believe that when he got there, if he'd realized that he chose wrong, I believe God would have been gracious to him and let him get back to Bethlehem, Judea. But he got comfortable where he was at. And God killed him there. God killed both of his boys there, left his wife a widow. But Elimelech had to make a choice. Joshua said this in chapter 24. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Whether the little G-O-D-S's, the Amorites that you served on the other side of the flood, or, and I'm not quoting it verbatim, or our God. But he looks at him and he says, you have to make a choice. This flip-flopping back and forth, it's teeter-totting on the fence. You're going to have to make a choice. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. God may be looking at you tonight and going, I don't know nobody's heart but mine sitting here. You need to make a choice. Preacher, I sure would like to see this, and I sure would like to have this, and preacher, I prayed for God to do this and to do that. God may not be giving you your desires because he's waiting on you to make him your desire. I don't even know that I can say that again, but I'll try. God may not be giving you your desires because he's waiting on you to make him your desire. I wish God would do this for me. I, I, time out. What have we done for him? How faithful are we to him? How much, are we, how much time are we spending with him? We cannot, oh, hear me tonight. We cannot expect God to make our wants his priority when we don't make his commandments our priority. It's not his wants for our life. It's his commandments for our life. No good thing would he withhold from them that walk upright. It's not just anybody. 
It's them that walk upright. And when we come to a place that we're fully in love with Christ, that we have completely surrendered to him, that we say, man, I'm not looking at Moab anymore. God, it's you and you alone. Then we may see God start putting our wants into his place.